Now live at 6 o'clock, KWVA Sports is broadcasting from the campus of the University of Oregon. That's the show. It's Quack Mac. I like talking talking sports. Quack Mac. What? Quack Mac. Every Monday through Thursday at 6 p.m., the KWVA staff dissects all things Oregon athletics. <laughs> I'm, I'm experiencing life right now. I'm not sure how much more can be said. Quack Mac. Now I'm on the show, and I don't know how long I'm going to be here. It's time for your nightly dose of <coughs> Quack Smack. Now let's head into the KWVA Sports Studios for the show. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is a Monday edition of Quack Smack. My name is Levi Berkthold. I'm joined by Jack Warco. Luke Dodson is uh, inaugural Quack Smack. So congratulations on that one. Thank um, you, thank you. Blessed to have you the team. Blessed to have you. Um, yeah, we were all locked in, and then at the last second we had to jump studio. So that was a unique challenge. But, hey, as Knight, our producer, Desta, said, uh, we crush curveballs here. That's what we do. Um, well, it is Monday. Uh, we're getting close to finals week, um, and I just don't want to talk about it. So instead, we're going to talk about stadiums. Uh, we were talking out there, Jack, about stadiums. Um, we were. We were talking about stadiums. <laughs> Some great stadium talk, and we're talking about uh, apparently um, – Pumping in the lights, the, the flicker lights. Big lights. Um, which you had a good point, though. They only had one night game last year. So there's like a real chance they install like a multi-million dollar light system and then use it once. Yeah. It's Maybe. Hey, hey, it's going to go hard with like those overcast guys. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, Thank you. yeah. That, I guess East, that, that, that three o'clock game versus Eastern Washington, they're going to flicker the lights just in case. You know, yeah. Yeah. Bro, like I want that insane. one and they're scoring 70. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's going to be interesting because obviously with the Big Ten and everything, different time slot, especially like with television and everything. So I don't know how many because obviously we were supposed to get Pac-12 after dark a lot. We were too good for that, I guess. But uh I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what happens when, like, Illinois comes, like, into Austin <laughs> at, like, 3.30. They're and dogging Rutgers by yeah. 70 and flickering well, the lights. Well, I, you know what I thought about was that I realized the because it's across, like, the whole time zones, they'll have a lot of East Coast games at, like, 9 and 12. So I think that Oregon will actually get uh, the later, like, time zones. So mm. actually higher chance of more night games is more the one thing I thought about, though. That, w- that would be nice. That yeah. would be nice. It's going to be interesting to see how, like, they lay it out. With time yeah. slots. And the reason we got in this, Luke, was you would talk about the court at MKA, the, the, the iconic forest court. Yeah. Which, okay, here's my thing. is like I think it's not the best court. However, I think it looks better in person than it does yeah, on TV. Yeah, That is true. The, the TV, it, it washes everything out and makes it look worse. Versus when you're in person, you can see the contrast. It looks kind of cool. Yeah. On TV, it looks like you just went to the bathroom and yeah. uh, you just wiped it for just the first stain- time. It looks stained. Yeah, it looks stained on, t- on it TV. Just, it, it, does, it doesn't look clean. I feel like on TV, it just it looks odd. Oh, that's just. I get washed out so much that you lose the definition of the trees. It looks like there's just like brown on the court, and really like there's supposed to be trees. Yeah, the, just, there's not enough black outline of the tree mark. It's just more it, contrast. It's, yeah, exactly. Brown to yellow to different shades and whatnot. I feel like. But too. do you subscribe at all the logic like this is our court now we have this thing that's like our court? It's like the Boise State blue. Field. Yeah, I think maybe you don't like it, but you see it and you're like, oh, it's Boise State. Yeah, I think there's like a uniqueness about it, but then I think it's like gone over like the like when it first came out, like it was like, oh wow, it's a different design and everything. But now it's like, yeah, it could it's like outdated. I think, and I think it's like the whole court. And the whole team, I guess you could say now, needs a revamped, like, just completely different look. Yeah, I feel like if there's ever a program that could use, like, a facelift, it's, it's basketball, which yeah. we will talk about in 20 minutes. Get stick ready. Around. Yeah, stick around for the basketball <laughs> segment. Um, 
But the last thing I'll, I, I, I do, this is more pro- personal curiosity. Of all the Oregon facilities, Autzen, Pape, PK, um, Jane uh, Saunders, Jane, Jane Sanders, uh, well. and uh, MKA, rank them for me as far as like your personal favorite. Obviously, different sports, so you have to adjust yeah. there. As much as I love the like the Mystique of Autzen, because to me it's like a very special place. PK is probably my favorite facility. As just like it's small, it's intimate, it's fun. Yeah, it's underrated. It's I would very say. well designed. Underrated. Like, I love PK. Autzen would be my second. What I, I'm a big fan of the turf though. I think the turf looks really clean. At PK? Yeah, at PK yeah. Park specifically. I don't. Know, I think I feel like the turf looks really clean at PK. Autzen. I mean, it's football, so that's obviously gonna gonna rank higher. Um, yeah. Than you yeah, would. and Jane Tanner's really nice facility yeah. too. But for me, it's like PK one. I um, mean, are we Austin factoring two. in Hayward Field? Because technically, that's Ooh, like oh, that's, that's a good, good point. Hayward I think, I think that's one, and that's like no one's coming close to that. Hayward is gorgeous. I like uh, how Jane Sanders is like it blends in. Like if you like drove by really quickly, you'd be like, oh, there's a softball field there. And I think I like the aesthetic of it. How it's just like on campus, really, mm. and just like it fits pretty well here. I, I, I like the call Hayward Field though. That was a good. One. I didn't think I didn't think about that with the statue. I whatnot. knew I was forgetting one. There was one yeah. that's why I kept like yeah, Jane Sanders. Hayward's one. Yeah, I, I PK think, two, Autzen three. Yeah, for I, me. I don't think Hayward's getting touched right now until yeah. maybe a revamp. Autzen comes that's, along. That is probably the nicest track field in North America. It's insane, by yeah. the way. I mean, don't we host like USA like juniors or nationals or something? They host like the that, Olympic right? trials. They hosted the Worlds last year. They host the NCAA's. Um, there's a couple host, big things. Yeah, they host yeah. some mi- just minor things. Yeah, like the World Championship. NCAA championships, a couple yeah. events. Yeah, yeah, a couple minor events. It was a whole thing. Just wait till Austin hosts the Super Bowl. That's <laughs> that's gonna be something. You know what I found out in like the '90s? They would do preseason games at various venues, and Austin has hosted a preseason NFL game. That's insane. Wouldn't that be hype? It was like a Niners Seahawks preseason. Yeah, they should game. do that. Like obviously, like you want people to watch preseason more now. Yeah, just bring it to like do a it, town. Do it, like at a, do it at a col- collegiate facility because even no Portland, one cares. Like Portland would be. Okay. Yeah, the NFL preseason has lost all meaning. So played at weird venues, yeah. that would be high because they're already playing regular season games overseas. If you had a preseason game at Odson, you could probably sell that out just for the novelty yeah. of it. Bro, give me a preseason huh? game at the Kibbe Dome. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Next night for <laughs> jumping in there. Um, I just think that would that would blow it out of the water if you could do preseason games at Odson. That would be hype. Aren't we aren't, aren't, aren't isn't the new playoff format the top or the, the second half of the top teams or whatever host the playoff game or whatever for the, the first CFP. round, which is the non-four seeds because the four, top yeah, four they, get they a buy. buy. Yeah. They get to choose the location of the home of the game, which means they're going to choose their home. Yeah, oh, yeah, that, that, that would be so – imagine walking over the river uh, to a playoff game in December. That would be electric. That I think would it's, be electric. it's going to be tough for Oregon to get that, though, because if they – win the Big Ten, then they won't get yeah. that. I like how your take is they're going to be so good they're going to win the well, Big no, Ten no, and I get think a buy. That, but I think, and let's say they don't win the Big Ten, they would probably be, I'm trying to, like. Well, they'd I'd, still be in that five to so eight. They, no, five, they, would five ha- eight. they would have to be six to eight because no, five, five, five. five goes to the group of five, right? No. Or no, no, they changed that. No, recently. no, no. They it's they just top four, top four. Top four conference and the rest of it's a straight yeah. yeah. So, I mean, from five to eight, if they get that, so. This year it's going to be, I think, Penn State and Ohio State is going to try to prevent that. Oh, yeah, I, I, Penn State, I think it will be just mid as usual. They'll, they'll win, they'll beat the bad teams and lose to Michigan, lose to Michigan, Ohio State. I think they don't have one of those this year. They missed one of them. I know that. Yeah. Um, Penn State missed us, I think. I think. Well, yeah. yeah well, Ohio, sta- Ohio State, I think, is locked and loaded. We're talking football for no reason right now, but yeah. Ohio State's <laughs> locked and loaded for next year. Just want to throw that out there. Yeah. Um, Penn State misses Michigan. Oh, but that's Michigan's not. But as this is Michigan's town. I know. You yeah, want to so catch Michigan yeah. this year. Okay, moving on beyond college football, which we're not here to talk. Definitely not. I'm like five five months away. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. exactly. Football season never ends, first of all. But second, Diamond Sports, they just started. Um, Oregon baseball off to a pretty hot start, 6-1. and 
Uh, they were on the road to start. They went two and one that opening uh, series uh, down in Texas, I yeah. believe, right, Dallas? Um, Close loss to a great Texas Tech team. Yeah, beat Oklahoma, beat Baylor, lost Texas Tech, and then they welcomed Lafayette to uh, town, Sorry, Lafayette. and that was just <laughs> never close. K- killed them. I mean, yeah. put up what seventeen, fifteen. Seven and twelve. I mean, yeah, they they the closest one was the yeah. seven to four second game of the doubleheader. Uh, Lafayette Which makes sense. scored a combined uh, nine runs. Oh, excuse me, I can't do math. Um, <clears throat> twelve ones, uh, runs, and uh, getting ready for finals week. Yeah. I see. <laughs> we're all the we're, effort's we're, low. We all feel that. We all feel yeah. that. Uh, and I was still wrong. By the way, it was thirteen. <laughs> 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 it was still wrong. Um, Oregon's dogged them. Uh, there's a lot of I think there's a lot of ways you can take it. Everything that we we're going to say is in the context of Lafayette. Yeah, with seven, uh, yeah. seven to start out. So. Respectfully, it's in the yeah. context of Lafayette. Um, Thank you for coming out. Yeah, it was it was a pleasure having you at PK Park. Hey, great they facility. Got, they had a great weekend. It was great weather. I would say that it, they played on a great field. They got to see some great uniforms from Oregon, especially on Sunday, and they got to play baseball. Hey, you know, <laughs> but an alternative view though is you play on your schedule, so you, you play as your opponent. Yeah. If you Yes. And I think that's kind of why I'm taking this. Like they absolutely demolished a team that they should have, and yeah. they did. They did well. That third game, the second game of the doubleheader, seven to four. Beyond that, it was never close. Yeah. Um, I was really impressed by the pitching. Um, if you kind of go down the starters, R.J. Gordon, Mitchell Grayson, Toby Twist, Kevin Sider, they all played incredibly well. Um, a couple of those guys were able to go six innings deep. Um, looking at R.J. Gordon, who's that the opening day starter. Yeah. Um, he's, the, over six. he's the number one for them, yeah. I think. One earned run over, over six. But the strikeout numbers were insane as well. Grayson had 10 strikeouts. Sider had 11 in his start. Well, didn't Grayson have like 10 in like four innings or whatever? Yeah, four innings. 10 yeah, Ks and four innings. Uh, two walks, one earned run. So great pitch performance, again, in the context of Lafayette. But I guess I'll start with you, Jack. Where do you land as far as like the, yeah, it was a miserable team they played, but they played incredibly well. I think, like just obviously Lafayette, thank you. Thank you. But uh just want to thank you for coming out. The most surprising thing I think was the concern, which was the bats. The bats were concerning this year. They were losing some key pieces, especially like spe- throughout the lineup, you knew that they were gonna take some shots. Obviously, like we said, it wasn't the strongest opponent, but they still they took advantage of the opportunity that they got them. Seven home runs in this one series after going getting zero against the three, but it was in a big league ballpark. Yeah, it's going to be ballpark, yeah, and it's one of the but. like farthest home runs to get in the MLB. But still, the bats were surprisingly good, which I don't think people expected this. But obviously, I'm not going to overreact to it because, like we said, and uh, a most surprising player I would say the two way player, Bryce. I'm gonna botch this because I Betcher. 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 Bryce Betcher. <laughs> Betcher. Yeah. Batted four oh nine. Batting four oh nine so far. Four oh nine. Had like multiple sports center top ten plays out in defense. Like yeah. I'm saying obviously we know like two playing two ways, it's extremely hard, assuming that he's I don't know what workouts he's doing right now. But uh he was unbelievable where I don't think people expected him to really have an impact for this team, but he's starting to play well enough where you're going to see him more often in the starting lineup. Defensively, I was really surprised by it, how well he played. It was unbelievable. In yeah, some a couple really highlight-level <laughs> yeah. plays in center field. Literally, sports center top ten material. Exactly. Yeah, it was, that, was, that was good. It was a great way to start off the season. It was a great way to yeah. good uniforms, all that. Um, the bats were surprising, and I think uh, – Again, I, I'm always going to say this in the context of Lafayette, and I want to <laughs> see them over the course of the season sustain. They're making but the playoffs. Mark that, <laughs> mark that down. They were up 17-3 that, that first one. I was like, they're going to Omaha, boys. Like, it's over. <laughs> I think that within the context of the situation, they played incredibly well. 
And yes. I think that there's not really much more you can say than that. Um, right now, they're one of four Pac-12 teams with a loss, uh, with only one loss. That's uh, joining Oregon State, Utah, and Cal. Um, seven Ducks with 22 at-bats or more, hitting 300 or more. That's pretty great. <laughs> um, I mean, the number the numbers are silly. Looking forward, they have UC Santa Barbara coming to town, which memory serves was on the road and now it's at home uh, here yeah, in Eugene. Yeah, I saw they rescheduled that. Which is the same thing they did last year. They do yeah, it last I year do. for weather. So this is the tw- second year in a row that a series in California got moved to Oregon because of weather concerns. We, yeah. we hosted them last year, I think, right? Or, or yeah, and it yeah, wa- yeah. we weren't supposed to, but it was again the weather. Yeah. They had to move it to okay. which the weather isn't going to be great this weekend too, which kind of sucks. We, just, we, had, we had a fall summer already. Like, yeah, I it, saw. I, I, Take it with a grain of salt. I saw a 35% chance of snow on Saturday. Gulp. Yeah, that is that is correct. The snow is coming on Saturday. Man, that would be a beautiful baseball weather, right? Thank you. But Lincoln playing snow. They did it last year. They played through snow because they play on turf. I hope whoever runs the uniforms for the baseball team, if it snows, they have to pick like a like the black uniforms, maybe or I don't know, just a whiteout. I would vote whiteout. I would vote whiteout. Can you imagine trying to hit a baseball in snow? That would be. Again, like, it was snowing during the game last I'm year. Saying, they played. They had to that, play through. That would be a beauty. But uh, let's talk about UC Santa Barbara, shall we? Yeah. Well, <laughs> what <do> you, <laughs> moving past the weather, what are you guys looking for in this series? Because for me, I want to see the pitching maintain, right? I think the pitching for me coming into the year, pitching was a concern, and we saw that last year where they just couldn't close that series. And even in the Super versus yeah, Oral Roberts, it, it fell apart. The wheels just Lo- came off. lost arms left and right. Yeah, and it got to the point where, like, it was the back end of that game three, like, okay, they just run out of pitchers. Yeah. And, like, they're, they're playing their hearts out. They just don't have pitchers left. I'll start with you, Luke. What are you, what, what are you looking for in the next series that you want to see? Again, step up an opponent. Mm-hmm. All respect to Lafayette. Step up an opponent. Respectfully, exactly. Respectfully, what are you looking for? a million times. Respectfully. I feel like I'm not really necessarily too worried about the bats per se. I feel like those are obviously not like the 17 runs and 15 runs per se, but I feel like I, I can expect a good five, six, seven runs, give or take, per game. I'm not worried about that. I want to see the, p- the pitching, right? We gave up four twice to Lafayette, gave up two and was it three, I think, to Lafayette. Um, yeah. But I want to see how we how we fare against them because uh, they, they, they took two or three against Sa- Sacramento State, I believe, this past weekend. Um, just to see how how we play how the pitching more so I'm more aware than the than the hitting at all. Yeah, uh, I think this is this is also a good like checkpoint uh, slash stepping stone moving forward in the season. It'll give us a good gauge of where we actually are against a you know a, a respectable opponent. Respectable, respectably. Yeah. yeah uh, again, respect <laughs> Lafayette. We love you. We, we we support you the rest of the way. Just win out. We would love that. <laughs> but uh, you see, Santa Barbara's ranked 24 right now. They're three and three. I think they're on fraud watch, let's be honest. They won a huge game against Campbell, which Campbell's a really good baseball team. They beat them 20-8, to respectfully <laughs> Lafayette again. Um, but uh, it was really their only solid win. They lost two straight after that to Campbell. And I think they had a lot of preseason hype. They have two top 100 draft prospects for this upcoming MLB draft. Matt Ager, a right-handed pitcher. Xander Darby, too. I think it's going to be a great win. It could be a great win for Oregon. It's a ranked opponent. Always looks good on the schedule to get a ranked win. But it's going to be a first time where you get some solid competition to really, like, see where you're at. Because I think Oregon gets the win this weekend. They're ranked. It's They're back getting some, like, recognition. Because I feel like they started out the year where they – obviously they made the Super Regionals and everything. But then after that, it just seems like they lost a lot of respect. And it seems like – It's very much viewed as a Cinderella run yeah, rather yeah. than a stepping stone for the program. Which is somewhat – we'll get to it soon with softball also somewhat looked at a Cinderella run. Could be on fraud watch as well. But mm. uh, mm. <laughs> but it's a big opportunity for Oregon to really show against a ranked opponent, like I said. And 
this team, I think, is better than what people are expecting right now, and I think they could really compete with the top of the Pac-12 right now. It does feel like, I, again, I view the Super Regional run last year definitely as a stepping stone for the program more than a Cinderella yeah, run. it's the beginning. And the beginning, not the end. And I think this, the, the Santa Barbara series could be a really valuable building block for the season because Pac-12 play is right around the corner. They got the three against Santa Barbara, and then they go right into Grand Canyon, um, and then they jump into Arizona State. Point being, they're going to jump into Pac-12 play earlier than you would think, and I, I, I'm really looking for this is the mo- uh, the moment. Yeah. Coach Waz to kind of put a stamp on it and say, no, like we are real. We're here to stay. And I, I'm excited for that. That's going to be fun. Um, because we talked for nine minutes about college football, we're going to kind of push a little quicker than normal into softball. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can only see the back of one of the producer's heads. But beforehand, we talked tonight, who, funny enough, watches a lot of softball. Um, as the voice of Oregon softball, Knight, you want to hop on. And uh, I guess I'll ask it for th- – th- this is the question I'll ask, Knight. Yeah. An Oregon fan who has not watched a softball game yet, and they're going to they're gonna jump in this weekend – for the uh, Jane Sanders Classic here on KWBA, uh, what are they going to look for? What, you, what would you point out to them first? Like, what is what's your biggest takeaway from watching this team through the first um, first uh, sixteen games of the season? I think the biggest takeaway for me so far with this team is that it's a very experienced team that just fully hasn't gotten going. Like, they haven't reached their full potential right now, and this is a team that has numerous upperclassmen. In fact. The last couple of games, they started all upperclassmen, all nine players in the field, including the pitcher as well as the DP. And so this is a very experienced team. Uh, the bats fully haven't come through at times. I mean, this is a team that's been shut out three times this season, including on Sunday against Nebraska. But the pitching is there this season. Like, this is a team that is eight and 8-1 when they score three runs or more. So this is a team, like, when they're scoring runs, they're winning games. They just haven't. And the one time that they had lost when they scored three runs or more was the very first game of the year against Indiana. So this is a team that consistently, when they score runs, they're going to win games. The pitching has been good. It's just been hitting at times. Mm-hmm. It's been a struggle. Uh, with runners in scoring position. I think that's kind of where things are at with this team. I think that everybody was pretty tired after playing a late game against Long Beach State on Saturday, on Friday, Friday rather. Although it felt like it went into Saturday because it didn't get over till 1030 uh, and then fell a little flat against Nebraska. But I think the big thing is the pitching's there. Uh, it's an experienced staff. Stevie Hansen's back, although she hasn't had the best start to her season. Morgan Scott's looked really good with a couple of complete game shutouts. Uh, and then Taylor Spencer, I think that she's been the bright spot. Uh, she's going to be a stud. I mean, she is just a freshman, and she's been put in some pretty tough situations. And, you know, she's done a great job. I think that right now she's uh, leading the team in total ERA, and just seeing her go out there and do her thing has been awesome. And then Ariel Carlson as well as Alyssa Daniel, I think that's pretty cool. That's a storyline. You have two Oregonians. Uh, one from Eugene and one from Happy Valley that have led this team offensively. And Carlson, she had nine RBIs last weekend. She had 10 the opening weekend. Like, she's on a tear for a fifth year. And so uh, that's that's the basic gist of what's happened so far. Okay, you, you hit, like, six different things I want to ask you questions on. I'll only do, like, one or two, I, I promise. Um, Sorry about that. No, no, you're totally <laughs> good. That was exactly what I was looking for. Um, normally – an experienced team means a consistent team. And normally we chop up inconsistency to like, ah, this freshman, they're doing freshman things. Uh, this team is experienced, but it's also pretty consistent offensively. Um, just looking back at the, the Mary Nutter, in Thursday, those two Thursday games, they had 11 total hits. On the two Friday games, they had 25 total hits, six home runs, three two uh, doubles. And then the Saturday game, they had five hits, three of which were by uh, Kylie Shar. 
what exactly do you do you think that the consistency is just going to work itself out as they get deeper into the season, or is this kind of like a red flag for a Duck fan that you're you're looking at early on? I mean, the thing is, is that some of the key pieces just aren't playing to their best of their ability. Like that's just kind of where it's at right now. Like you have KK Humphreys who two seasons ago hit 308 and was you know crushing softballs for this Oregon team last season was hitting in the high 200s and you know this season she's hitting below the Mendoza line right now and that certainly hasn't helped Oregon in the middle of the order I think Hannah Delgado had a really slow start and she had a really good weekend and improved her batting average but this season she just hasn't been hitting with runners in scoring position I think she's hitting under 100 with runners in scoring position and that that's a little concerning but at the end of the day I think that it's softball like things are going to even out eventually Emma Kauf who is a career 340 hitter at Georgia Tech and has over 50 doubles in her career she's hitting close to the low 200 right now and so I think eventually uh, things will start to even out it's just been this team isn't very deep like that's the main takeaway is that the lineup is very good there's a lot of power in the lineup but outside of the top nine like they're really searching for options right now they've looked for katie flannery to get some big time at bats but she just hasn't been able to get a hit i mean she's lining out a ton like she's getting good contact with the bat but she's just not getting hits right now and i think that eventually things are gonna change for this team but right now it's just kind of been a struggle uh just hitting with runners in scoring position and i i, I can't pinpoint why it is that that's the one thing i will say well, that was our on-field correspondent, Knight Yaretsky, uh, checking in from Jane Sanders Stadium. So thanks for that, Knight. Um, I think my biggest takeaways from the early season, inconsistency has really plagued this team. But you got to bet that eventually it's going to work its way out. Um, we're running along, so we'll kind of just do bullet points here. But what's your biggest takeaway from the early going season, Jack? And what are you kind of looking for to change over the next you know week? Yeah, it just seems like they're on the wrong side of close games. They're 0-4 versus ranked opponents, but they've played them close most of the time. It just seems like they just keep falling short where, like, obviously you love close games because you just feel like you're competing to it right until the end, but it just seems like every single time it's just they're not working out. And it's just going to be about what are they going to do against, like, a team like Florida State that's coming in this weekend who's a ranked opponent, but... They've also had a pretty inconsistent start to their season where it's like a good matchup for Oregon to really see where they're at right now on the like for this season. And it's going to be they win the game. They can definitely compete again in the like tournament, but they fall short again to Florida State. It's really going to start to be like, all right, what's going to need to change for this team moving on? Yeah, coming into last week, <clears throat> uh, Florida State 11th in the nation. Luke, biggest takeaway or kind of what you want to change going forward? Uh, it feels like the easy answer is just more consistent, right? I, I would almost I, – consistency is a great great answer. I want to see more um, consistent batting th from the entire lineup. I, I've noticed that it's, it's a lot, lot very top-heavy right now. The bottom of the order is not produced as much as the top order. Um, you know, and I, I think that's plaguing them at times with runners in score position, not being able to get them in with the, t with the top half of the lineup, getting on base and whatnot, bottom half not being able to drive them in and whatnot, extend an inning and whatnot. So I, I want to see um, more productive batting from top to bottom, which I think will help them – going forward yeah it feels like they haven't been able to string together a great game several games in a row now speaking of teams that can't string together a great games several games in a row we're going to talk oregon men's basketball coming up we're going to take our first break here in kwva and we come back we're going to break down men's basketball we're going to jump into women's basketball they're on their own losing streak it's a monday edition of quack smack here on 88.1 fm KWVA. Like what you're listening to? 
Want to be a part of the flagship station of numerous Oregon sports, interview Duck athletes, and have a hand in the media scrum? Then look no further than the very station you're listening to, KWVA 88.1 FM. Email sports at kwvaradio.org, DM our Instagram at KWVA Sports, or head down to the station itself next to Bartolotti, located on the bottom floor of the EMU, to find out more. You're listening to a live broadcast on KWVA 88.1 FM. Lucky you. Licking your chops for more? Head to our website at kwva.uoregon.edu slash category slash sports to listen to a live broadcast, peruse past episodes of our nightly talk show, Quacksmack, or travel our archive of all things Duck Athletics. Once again, that's kwva.uoregon.edu slash category slash sports. You're listening to live Oregon student radio coverage of high school sports. Here on KWVA 88.1 FM, the voices of tomorrow broadcast the stars of the future. Keep an eye on the schedule and tune in here or online at kwva.uoregon.edu slash listen live for coverage of high school sports in the Eugene Springfield area. Hey. Hey, you, yeah, you. You were about to turn the channel, weren't you? That's a mistake. This is former KWVA sports director Chris Clayton. You're listening to Quacksmack, and you're not going to want to change the channel, so just keep it here, okay? It's a great, vibey way to start the second segment. I think I think we go- need good vibes, because baseball is great. But we're going to talk about yeah. basketball, and we need some good womp vibes womp. coming to the swing. Yeah, womp, womp. We're going to need some... Uh, Gonna need some some good vibes. Men's basketball. Uh, they've had a an up and down season. Now, to be clear, <laughs> thanks, Knight. Uh, to be clear, they're eighteen and nine of the year, so they're not terrible. <laughs> let's be let's be very My clear. Brain. They're they're not terrible. I know that was. We that need more bang calls from this basketball team. However, I think it's really frustrating. This is how I'll start this segment off. It's really frustrating for the third year in a row to be in February. Going into March and saying they need basically everything to break their way <laughs> yeah, to make the tournament a, mi- a miracle. Yeah, like they they're not out of it. They're not like they are alive, but they need X, Y, and Z. And in every game, that that margin of error gets smaller and smaller. If you go back to before the uh, LA trip, you're like, okay, I think I really think they can pull this one out. They'll just need to basically drop one or two the remainder of the season, and they'll be yeah. fine. And instead. They beat USC, lose a bad one to UCLA, one of those is back and forth. They beat UW, lose to a Washington State team. In retrospect, that loss looks better. Yeah, Washington State. They, they were up in the second half though in that game. Yeah, Cougars have been playing really well. They beat Oregon State by a miracle lip after almost coughing that game yeah, up. They beat Stanford, back-to-back wins. They lose to Cal. And then a game they were leading in the second half. Well, I, I wrote it down specifically, but in that Cal game, they had they had ten in, in, in a 12-minute stretch in the second half, they had 10 total points. That's when they're up in that game. You, I mean, 10 points in 12 minutes is not going to cut it in a, in a must-have game. Yeah, and we just talked about the inconsistencies of softball, and I think inconsistent is exactly how I describe this men's basketball team, where whether it's the UCLA game, whether it's the Cal game, to your point, they can look great for a half, they can have a great 10-minute section, and then they can just have the wheels come off the offense for 10 minutes and just not be able to score. Um, and they've given away some tough games that they should have won because of that. Um, and it's really frustrating, and uh, it's hard to put your finger on exactly one thing. Um, I think that they have the talent to compete. 
and they just haven't been able to figure out. For me, it feels like, you know, there's little things you can look at, but Jack, I, I can see the steam <laughs> just coming out of your ears. Yeah. With, what, five games left in the season? Excuse me, four games left in the season. What are you, what are you looking for? What's your takeaway? Yeah, I mean, it's just a tough – I mean, after watching that Cal game, it was one of, like – it was just weird, but it was just disappointing the whole way through because it's just, like, you would – you somewhat still believe in them because, like, I think a lot of, like, people started falling off after the Washington State game. I think a lot of people were, like – went downhill after that but then like you started to get a little bit hype with two wins and everything and then it's just against Cal a team that really historically hasn't been very well known for their basketball and you shoot 22 percent from three point and your offense looks like it's from the 1960s at this point at this point I'm just I'm almost done with this team I'm done with Dana Altman I think Altman he had his glory days he had a, a, a like an amazing run that like People are going to remember him forever. But it's just they're falling behind in, like, literally recruiting on the court. They're falling behind in almost every aspect of the game. And it's just it's showing right now. And it's a sad time for Oregon basketball. And I'm, I'm just going to fire Dana Altman. That's, I'm just going to start the movement. Yeah, it just always sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Tough. Tough take from Jack. Uh, right now, Oregon, for all, all of the L's, they're third in the Pac-12, and I think for me that's the most frustrating thing is if there was ever a yeah. year to win the Pac-12. It's this year. This is the year to win the Pac-12. They finally climbed up to having two ranked teams, Arizona and Washington State. Oregon felt like they were in the driver's seat in the early going of conference play where they had the conference lead and they you know, had everything going their way. And instead, Luke, it just felt like for every step forward, it's been two steps backward. And this team feels like it's backslidden. Because, again, I want to take you back to a shiny moment in time like a month ago when Dante was out. They, you know, they, that team that was so injury-prone. Scrappy. scrappy so injury-prone. They were missing da- a Biddle. They were missing Dante. And they kept winning games. It's like, okay, but wait till they add and fully Dante and Nate Biddle. This team will just be crazy good. And that never happened. Biddle comes back for, like, what, a game a game or two? In spot, mi- spot minutes when he's, when he's out. Barthelme injury was huge against Arizona. Yeah. Uh, second half there. I also feel like the inconsistency with Jackson Stella said, right? I look at him, you know, Oregon State and Stanford back-to-back games, 7-12, 8-13. Two games before that, 1-9, of 3-12. Game against Cal, 2-11. The inconsistency offensively, I feel like, is something I've noticed, too, where there's too many times where the ball is just swinging out, out, out above the three-point line. There's five on the shot. I got to dump it down to Dante, and it's, oh, just, you know, do something in the post, put, put up a baby hook and see if it goes in type thing. The lack of uh, consistency and the lack of, like, a go-to option. I feel like on offense is, is plaguing them, I feel like, too. Yeah, it feels like when Jackson Shell sets off, the offense can grind to a halt sometimes. And I know we talked about this earlier, Jack. Sometimes it feels like they try to feed Dante a little too hard. Yeah. Where Dante is incredibly talented. He's a good offensive player. But sometimes it feels like their offensive strategy is dump it in the post and let him get to work. Yeah, if that doesn't work, it's just they don't know what to do and they're just lost after yeah. that. Yeah, and it's it's incredibly frustrating. Um Looking forward, it feels like the only way this team makes the tournament NIT. is NIT. the Pac-12 championship, right? It's, they they play Arizona. Um, I, I don't know, I don't even know if that game matters at this point, to be honest. They're gonna um, win it. I know it's they, gonna. They have to <laughs> <laughs> the most Oregon whenever they're gonna classic, win Arizona. Right? Yeah. Too, too little, too late, right? They have to win that game. Obviously, um, they're in a position to get a buy in the tournament. In the Pac-12 tournament, because they have third in the Pac-12. Yeah, right they're now. third in the Pac-12. So the position to get a buy. Uh, it's important to get two or three because then you avoid Arizona again 
until is, the is Washington State? I think Washington, Washington State's State the first, better team. Arizona's first in the pack right yeah, now. Okay, they have a half game up. lead yeah. on Washington State. I like um, Washington State in the tourney. They are gonna, they're gonna go. I think. Uh, sweet 16. Well, See, they, I think I think the most Washington State thing ever would be to lose in the tournament early. <laughs> yeah. That's my argument. I, I, I could see that. They had a crazy winning there. Yeah. I don't know if you guys saw that. And then that. followed up immediately by losing to uh, ASU. Swamp That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I saw that. I saw that, My yeah. point being, Pac-12 is not great at basketball. I know. It's. A, it's a, I think a lot of people are hyped this year if for the Pac-12 basketball. Like, in a whole, obviously, Bronny James coming in, you would expect. You would, and Isaiah Collier, too. You would expect USC to be, like, Good or and at least they're eleven in the Pac twelve or, or at least like compete a little bit. Like it's just so it's, it's sad to see USC not UCLA had some hype too, but it's just and they're fourteen and thirteen on the year. And then also even Colorado, they had Cody Williams coming in. Like they're they might make the tournament. I think they're one of the bubble teams right yeah. now. Where it's just like the Pac twelve, they have on paper they should be so much better than what they are. But every single team, it seems like including Oregon, is just not living up to their expectations. Much like the actual Pac twelve. A lot of talent papers cannot get yeah. it to compete. Um, the one side side, two side notes. One, shout out to Cal for going from one of the worst programs in the <laughs> yeah. country last year to being 13 and 15. They're competitive. They're a good program. And they have nothing going for them. Yeah. It's Cal. Respectfully, <laughs> it's Cal. The fact that that team is even competitive is a credit yeah. to everyone there. Shout out them. Respectfully. Get ready to learn ACC. <laughs> I mean, th- they're nine and eight in conference play. So yeah, far. yeah. I mean, Respect, respectfully, get ready to fly to the East Coast to lose more <laughs> basketball games. That'd be brutal. Uh, don't even get me started on that. Second thing, and this is completely off track. Bronny James, uh, it made news yesterday when yeah. ESPN removed him from the mock draft, saying he wasn't going to get drafted. <laughs> thirty ninth, the 39th overall to uh, someone in the ne- in, in 2025. I saw this morning. Yeah, they have the 2025 draft. Which, by the way. The fact that we're releasing 2025 mock drafts yeah, is, a yeah. is a crime. Before they even step foot on a college basketball court. My two least favorite mock drafts are the, the two years in advance mock draft. Yes. And then uh, after the NFL draft, like the week after, the after. Oh. they release a full seven-round draft for the next year. Yeah, yeah. As if you could have any idea who's being taken <laughs> in the seventh round of next year's draft. It's ridiculous. However, back to my original point that wasn't the main point. That's the point rewind. I'm making. Bronny James got removed from it uh, from the 2024 mock draft, and now LeBron James is all big on the train. <laughs> yeah. of, uh, he's like, we don't need to judge them, kids. Like <laughs> yes, they're yes. the best. Yeah, exactly. I had somebody. Uh, I saw somebody put the two tweets out of the side. But tweet one was, "Bronny's better than NBA players today." And tweet two is, "We can't be judging these basketball yeah. kids. Let them play ball and enjoy their lives." The that, whole thing. That, that was like early, early December. That first tweet came out. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. If Bronny was in this draft, he's gonna get drafted. I think no matter what. I think just the lore of getting LeBron James' son is like. I think you're gonna pick him with the, like. There's only two A second rounder. Yeah. yeah, you're not like. There's nothing to lose really. Yeah. You know the funny part is now I don't want to go off topic too much here, but I we see the Bronny news and now we see the news about LeBron James. I don't think I saw that. Yeah. Now he's looking at a two year, two three year extension with the Lakers again, <laughs> sixty million dollars a year max contract. So there we go, right on cue. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Also, again, we're so off track. Uh, I think it's weird how nowadays in the NBA, I think I saw the number lottery picks from four years ago, like lottery picks from four or five years ago, forty percent of them are not getting renewed by their I know it's team that drafted them. Teams are just getting off players so yeah, quickly these days. It's so it's a weird time in just all basketball. It yeah. is a weird time. I would say it's just like it's all like the top players in the NBA right now, most of them overseas, which is like it's it's good for basketball because you're growing it. But it's like most of these guys, it's like, oh, they were the last pick of the first round or the second or like in a second round pick where it's like some of these top guys are just not, I guess, living up to the hype. My, my hot take is that uh, – 
high school and college basketball in America is a dying sport where yeah, I would if you're a great player, one, a lot of great players are coming internationally now, which is great because they're growing sport internationally, but it, the, the detriment is high school and collegiate players in America are not competing. Yeah. And then, two, I mean, when's the last time you had a must-see college men's basketball star? Caitlin Clark Zion. is the women's. Yeah, yeah. Zion, Zion. Right? I know when Benyama didn't go to college. Like, yeah, exactly. Back, now we're Even go Scoot. G- I'm not saying Scoot would have been, but yeah. Scoot I mean, was you, a G League. You see players go to G League Ignite, Overtime Elite, all these different, all these different <laughs> <Overtime>. programs. Um, <laughs> hey, Some of go to play overseas. The, the, the Thompson twins went, uh, went to Overtime Elite this past year. Yeah. yeah. Went Five and six, four and five in the draft. One of the yeah, two. Yeah. Um, no, you're you're totally right, Levi. Just the lack of must see players in college basketball. I I know Cooper Flag's going to Duke next year. I'm the most Duke I'm player ever, by the way. That man was born for Duke. Rutgers I mean, basketball. Rucker, Rutgers basketball is going to be back. They got two five stars. Dude, Rutgers is going to be legit next. Shout season. out Rutgers. The weirdest thing gets Knight to plug in. Yeah. And then yeah. <laughs> hey, for some reason, Rutgers, 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 Rutgers basketball is like I'm dude, here. Rutgers money line is like free always. Yes. Uh, secondly, <laughs> my name is Knight, and they're the Scarlet Knights. So mm, I've always yeah, I've yes. always liked Rutgers until I found out it was in New Jersey. <laughs> oh whoa whoa! All right. Hold on, hold on. As a New Jersey native here. Wow. I'm gonna speak my tr- like. Th- this is this is exactly what I'm talking about. New Jersey, no, 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 no. New Jersey basketball is bad. New Jersey is so bad. Did you just did you hear this? Hold on, we we just had the stadium series. We just had the stadium series. Give us credit. Give us credit. But okay, see, this is what I'm talking about. Just like one minor comment about New Jersey, and all of a sudden, forget about it. Forget about it. See, I I just I think New Jersey is consistently a bottom five state in America. I just like to say this. New Jersey basketball right now. Shout out my hometown, Princeton, New Jersey. <laughs> Princeton Tigers are going to make the tournament this year. And Mitch Henderson, their head coach, bring him to Oregon. Let's just, I'm <laughs> hey, going to start that they, now. They beat Zona last year in round one. Screw yes. my bracket up. Let's yeah, play that. my bracket up, too. Princeton is back. That's a great take. Great yes. take. Forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> Women's basketball. Hey, hey, is it Italian ice or water ice? It's water ice, but. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> Italian ice, that's like what they call it out here, but water ice. Women's basketball. Um, yes. Yeah. Let, let's let's shift gears and let's just let's just save us from the New New Jersey talk. Women's basketball, probably uh, as bad as New Jersey is bad as. Okay. Oh. Okay. 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 Yeah, okay. Yeah. Women's basketball. Uh, Eleven. Put, like Nebraska. Okay. Nebraska. Nebraska. Nebraska's bottom five. Uh, we should have a, a power rankings. One of yes, these cracks yes. and do all fifty states. Um, That's our next Madden Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> just everyone power rank all fifty state. states. Uh, women's basketball, 11 and 18 of the year, 11 game losing streak. Uh, two you better and 14. Last in the Pac 12. Two and 14 in conference. What's next? However, winning record at home. So, uh, hype, hype protect the home court. Hang up. the banner. Hang the banner. Go. Hype them Protect up. the home court. The ceiling uh, is the roof. <laughs> the 11 game losing streak ties longest in program history. Um, now, to be clear, of those 11 games, I think eight of them were ranked opponents. Brutal schedule. Brutal. Brutal. Welcome to Pac-12 women's basketball. As good as the Pac-12 is at yes. women's basketball, they are bad women's at men's basketball. basketball. Women's basketball in the Pac-12 is absolutely out of their mind. Um, the They're in the midst of their three-game winnable streak. And what I mean by that is after facing off, I'm doing this quickly in my head, after facing off against seven ranked teams in a row, losing all seven. Oh, my God. Yeah. They had Washington, St- Washington, Washington State, and Cal – in a row, um, two of those in the road, and they're coming home for that cow game. These were the three that we kind of circled and said, hey, like these three feel winnable. Of the games remaining, these feel three feel like you could win them. Well, they're 0 for 2 in the first <laughs> three, which is challenging. <laughs> um, 
Cal, only 16-12 on the year, is probably the last... Yeah, because then they play Stanford. It's the last winnable game they have. Stanford is 24-4 and four in the year, fourth in the nation. That's the uh, season finale, uh, which unfortunately is also senior night, which is just a tough break of the schedule before they go to the Pac-12 tournament. Um, and go to Stanford on, was it Thursday? or what, what day You mean they until they win the Pac-12 the, tournament? Until they win the Pac-12 <laughs> tournament. Actually. Shout out Washington State last year, came out of nowhere, won the Pac-12 tournament. Um, I guess uh, I'll open up. A lot has been said about what's not working. But if you were to sum up, Jack, I'll start with you. What's not working for women's basketball? What is it? Let me just say this. I think Matthew Knight Arena, it reminds me a lot of a funeral home right now. It just every, <laughs> single, every single time I see people walking out there out of sight of a game, it's a frowns on their face and it looks like they just watched a murder, oh. which is kind of what's been going on this year. But, I mean, it's just right now for the women's basketball, just finish strong. And obviously that's hard because you have number four Stanford coming up soon and Cal, which they, it's Cal. And uh, respectfully, yeah, respectfully, Cal. But it's just finish strong. It's it's not your year. I think we we are well past that point. And after on a high a, note, and on a high yeah, note. after eleven straight losses, maybe like you can't do thirteen yeah, straight. Yeah, because if they lose in the Pac-12, they'd be fourteen. Straight. Fourteen straight. You got to break the streak. You can't don't, go. Don't be yeah, Pistons. you can't go Pistons. into the off season on a fourteen game fourteen game losing streak, and then no one, no one's even considering women's basketball at Oregon when it used to be dominating like they used to be like the top team at Oregon we got robbed of an INS of a Sabrina INSU tournament that year yeah that, that was yeah. that was the COVID year right the, yeah that was the yeah. COVID year and they were title maybe not favorites but they were in that top what, tier the title top contenders. yeah the, the contender tier whatever yeah Luke what do you think went wrong uh well I mean, I mean I'm just pulling up, pulling up some simple stats here in four of the last five games we've managed to hit one three and one three only let's go in four of the last five games. Snipers. Um, I mean, there's games where we're having double the amount of turnovers to assists. Uh, we're turning the ball over consistently. Um, not putting the ball back. You know, one, a couple of our best players aren't performing well either. Chance Gray, we got to get her going. Um, she's been struggling recently from the field and from three recently. Um, and we have, we have Cal come up. Winnable game here. Take advantage of this game. I feel like it's, it's a big opportunity here. Yeah, I think that, again, Whenever you're in a team, you're you know working with a team or watching a team that you know they're not going to make postseason noise, not going to make the tournament. I think it's less about you know winning to put wins in the board and more about being competitive and showing that the program has some fight left. And I think that that's incredibly important in an era where there is player mobility, which to be clear, like I am in favor of. I, I like where collegiate sports is going. However, the downside of that is once things start to go bad they can go really, really bad really quickly. Because you're you're, you're when you're in a team that's not performing well, the name of the game is talent retention and talent development. And I, I trust this program to develop their talent. But now it's a question of can this program retain their talent? Because the last thing you want to do is to go into cycle where it feels like they're heading, where they're not performing great, and then the top three players on the bad team leave. I mean, and then you got to revamp every year. Why wouldn't I go and if, I, if, I'm, if I'm one of the best players on the team, go look for similar-ish NIL somewhere else? Just start, go to Iowa. <laughs> start start at, at a different a different place. Better better chance to make the tournament. Better chance to be have a name. You know, I'm not saying you're going to be the best player in the country, but your team's on a more of a national stage. Yeah. You get more of a spotlight and everything. I mean, why why wouldn't you? I mean, you know, unless family's here, or whatever. They, they would they would hold you back, or whatever. But 
And I think that is the challenge of college coaches on a team that's underperforming. And we saw that last year where players left that were recovered talented. Tina Pow Pow, you go down the list of players who left. And it's like, okay, how do you retain that? How If you're the coaching staff for Oregon, how do you retain? They just got a commitment from a five-star. That's great. I saw but that, that's, yeah. I think it's 2025. Is it 2025? So, so, so it's my point now? My yeah. point being is that oh. they are bringing yeah, talent they're in. Yeah, they're still looked at as a solid brand. It's still a brand. Oregon's still a brand. And now it's a question of can you retain the talent that you have here yeah. so that next year you can improve. And I think that's that's the biggest question mark for this program going forward. Yeah. The five-star that we got, Jania Williams, it's 2025, which isn't great because obviously if you finish this season like we are right now, and then let's say next season, obviously, it's going to be a completely different conference. You don't know what it's going to be like, which actually might help Oregon. Yeah, you, you miss Stanford, UCLA, yeah. US, I guess, all yeah. the teams yeah. are leaving. So, so what, shout you, out. So you get what, Iowa? Um, Iowa's going to be tough. And then Nebraska's well, well, pretty solid, Nebraska's, I'm pretty yeah. sure. Well, but but yeah. you lose Stanford, you, USC, yeah, UCLA, Colorado, some of the, like, Utah. The greatest programs that are in women's basketball history. So it's going to benefit them, I think, moving to the Big Ten especially. But it's you can't keep losing because then you're going to have a five-star who's in the class of 2025 maybe flip in yeah. like because you have a whole year basically until she actually signs the letter of intent. But uh, it's, it's going to be an interesting offseason because you need a mini rebuild, but also you still have a couple people on this team that could contribute and like help for the future but it's just a mini rebuild but figure out what you want for this team in the future yeah i mean there, there are bright spots for this team filipina che is a bright spot for this yes. team i believe in grace van saluten and her ability to make an impact on a basketball court like i believe that's going to happen um it's more about can you retain that talent and then bring in pieces around to help um i feel like oregon in women's basketball has been losing the transfer portal over the past yeah. couple of years and i think the name of the game in college basketball maybe even more than talent development is can you win the transfer portal? You're always going to lose players, but can you win at a net? Right? We see this with, with football, right? Yeah. For an example, they have like 20 players transfer out every year, but they win the transfer portal yeah, because they bring in the right people. Can they win the transfer portal? That's kind of the question. Left. And it's, that's an unfortunate part of the season to be in where you're still playing and you're talking yeah. about the offseason, but I think it's been that kind of year for Oregon women's basketball. Um Knight, I, I do want to know, if I asked you to talk about uh, Big Ten women's basketball, how long could you talk? Like, about Big Ten women's basketball right yeah. now? Yeah, like, right now. Well, like, what do you – I could spend, like, five minutes talking about Caitlin Clark. That's fair. Okay, that's fair. I feel like that was a gamey. When I, we, I saw like, you jump like, on Rutgers like, earlier, and I just really want to know how plugged in you are. So, like, like Rutgers women's basketball? Yeah. The cream of the crop. Because <laughs> 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 I, I, I couldn't – candidly talk very long about well i can tell you right now for like rutgers women's basketball i know that sydney Parrish is at indiana uh she's supposedly having a decent season uh for the hoosiers i think that obviously caitlin caitlin clark's the star um that's probably as deep as i could go for like that's, Big that's fair like wisconsin has pulled off some upsets i know that because i i follow some student journalists at the university of wisconsin but for the most part uh, Ohio State, good team. Yeah. Because uh, I think Ohio State's like number two in the country right now. Um, Iowa, very good with Caitlin Clark. And then Indiana, also pretty good with Sydney Parrish. And they're like, that's that's like your Big Ten basketball run. They, I, I like that. I like that. I pulled up the wins basketball standings of the Big Ten because I'm not super plugged in there. And no, Rutgers is last in the Big Ten. Did not know that. 
That is that. Is that a surprise? Let's be <laughs> Forget honest. <laughs> Forget about <laughs> it. Low, lowers the state ranking automatically. I would say, dude, I'm, they're, not, so, they're, I'm not surprised. But I, there's a reason why they're getting top men's recruits, and it's probably because that's where the money's going. Uh, for Princeton NIL. women's <laughs> basketball, I'm pretty sure, is ranked right now. So <laughs> let's focus on Princeton once again. Priorities. <laughs> that is, uh, I so, mean, so like Princeton is like the powerhouse of New Jersey basketball right now. Yeah. Let's so just it, say that was that. not it, a convincing. Yeah. It, 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 it goes Princeton, then like what? Seton Hall. Uh, St. Peter's, uh, Ryder. Wait, wait, can oh. I, can I, <laughs> Jack, how many D1 programs are there in New Jersey? Uh, there's Seton Hall, Ryder, uh, wow, I'm going to blank, Rutgers, who else am I missing? Fairly Dickerson. Fairly Dickerson. Yeah. Uh, St. Peter's, who else? I'm missing another, I feel like I'm missing a big one. <laughs> okay, I got the list in front of me. Nobody help him. Nobody <laughs> help him. <laughs> I, I have to get this. I'm gonna make my state. They're gonna. I'm never gonna be able to back I, I, after this. I, I'm gonna provide no help here. I don't even know. So I, I'm no I help think, here. I think I'm missing one. Maybe. Who so knows? So according to the source known as Wikipedia, the list of <laughs> Division One programs in the state of New Jersey: Farley Dickinson, Monmouth. Oh, I know Mon- yeah, I, Monmouth is a big one. I, I have J- friends at Monmouth. That looks bad. Yeah, that looks bad. <laughs> in J- uh, New Jersey Institute of Technology. Princeton, oh, uh, of course. Yeah. Also, Ryder, Rutgers, St. Peter's, Seton Hall. Yeah. Yeah. So you missed what Mammoth and NJIT? Yeah. I also NJIT I completely I would have never (laughs) remembered. But uh Mammoth, yeah, I should have got that one. But uh to all the Oregonians out there who love hearing about New Jersey and all of their athletics, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's funny. Um, I have family from down south and like you know how like New Jersey gets a bad rap, which I'm assu- yeah. I, I'm gonna assume you disagree with. I yeah. think it's funny, like I'm from the Portland area, and people here in Portland, specifically people in the South, and they think it's like an open yeah. war zone. <laughs> <laughs> like bombs go. It's like, I promise it's like a relatively normal city. There's just some weird parts. Yeah. As there are with most major metropolitan areas, there's some weird yeah, parts. It can't be perfect, but. I, I, I had a family member who wouldn't drive through Portland because they didn't think it was safe. <laughs> I was like, okay, I that, that might be a stretch. That might be a stretch. I was there. like, I promise you'll be fine. Jack, can I ask you a question? Like, how big of a decision was it to come to Oregon because they also pumped your gas for you? <laughs> <laughs> that was huge. I haven't stepped out of my car probably ever. And even I was here on a visit, and uh, it was like, they when you when you were getting recruited? Yeah, yes, of course. It's the five star <laughs> Blood KWVA. Blood of the senior year is he was yes. right there. <laughs> he, he was like the top Madden player for Yeah, <laughs> I was the top Madden. So yeah, I mean obviously the gas was huge and I hate getting out. Like why if it's freezing cold out, why do I want to get out and pump my own? Just gas? reminds you of home, eh? Yes, just, it does. Home. Are you from Oregon? Luke? No, I'm not. I'm from California and oh. I'll, I'll I'll go on the oh. gas out real quick. I've I've I had only ever pumped my own gas. Like I come, I come to Oregon first reti- first three times I can't even get it to work. <laughs> and I, I know I know how to I don't know how to pump the gas. I'm not, I'm an expert at it, but I couldn't get it to work for some reason. I, yeah, I don't know they what's are happened. weirdly inconsistent. Yes, they're so not used to being pumped by normal people hands that they they do, <laughs> yes. they do kind of act weird when you try to pump it. They're like, "Are you sure?" That's it's like, "I promise." And, and then the guy comes out, it's like, "Hey, you you need help with that?" And I'm like, <laughs> I, "My ego's like, oh no, I'm good. I got it. I got it." And then, <laughs> and then you're gonna look like an idiot, like struggling with your card. And, and, and then I walk back in, and you're like, oh, "I gotta go talk." And to then him. I walk back in, like, "Hey, can I get some help, please?" Yeah, that's tough. Um, we're running long, so I'm not even gonna worry about that second break night. You can just take that right off. We'll just talk. We're, our last thing on the outline is we wanted to talk about if you could change one thing about collegiate athletics, what would it be? Uh, and I really didn't know where I was gonna go with this for the longest time. I thought the answer to having parity in college football was to limit the amount of scholarships that you could have. But then the downside is is you're limiting the amount of players who get scholarship, and that sucks for kids, right? Because like then there's less players who get to be a scholarship player. So I was like, I can't do that. However, out there in that room, lightning struck, and we came up with the best idea <laughs> ever, which was what if— It'll transcend college sports forever. What if you—what if the more you win, 
the less scholarships you have. It's like an NFL draft system, right? Where the more you win, yes. the worse. Like if you're Alabama and your winning average over the last series is X amount, then you have 70 scholarships. And if you're UConn, you have 110 scholarships. I might have just fixed parity in college football. The, the tricky thing with, with college sports, though, is that these kids, you have to still allow them to go wherever they want to go to school. It's not that, oh, I, I – what if I want to go to Alabama because of whatever you know? But, they, but say I, no, so yeah, no. Yes, you're not scholarship <laughs> them, brother. Exactly. So, so you still have to give them, not give them the opportunity to go there, but it might be at the expense of a scholarship or maybe less NIL money or whatever. That yeah. might be. But then you know that there's at least one player, multiple players who are getting big NIL money or who come from wealthy families who would be walk-ons. You know, like the starting quarterback yeah. at Alabama be a walk-on, exactly. a Tom Brady type, yeah. taking less money to help the team. Arch Manning's Bar- uh, going with the walk-on route. Yeah, yeah going walk-on yeah. at Texas. All right, that that's kind of my half-baked idea. Jack, what do you got for me? I one thing to fix about college athletics, one thing to change. I think it's have more fun. I think everyone knows what happened this weekend with the controversy about like storming a court. Duke, Kyle, Philip, Flopsky. I'm just saying he flopped. Wow. But uh, obviously right there. It, it did look like he exaggerated the contact huge. a little bit. Yeah, I have a friend at Wake Forest. He was right by what happened. He said he flopped. It's all about a flop. Well, we, have, we have sources. Trust the source. Have, have, yeah, trust sources the sources. of the department. But, uh, trust the source. Trust the source. John Shire, the head coach of Duke basketball after the game. I just like to say he looks like a Muppet if you look <laughs> at it. I can't, un- I can't unsee it now. I can't unsee it. Bro's taking shots left yes. and right. But uh, he – he said to ban court storming, and it was just – it started a huge feud. Uh, Jay Billis was on first <laughs> You should this. arrest him. Yeah, yeah, it said arrest the kids. It, uh, good luck. Good luck trying that. I'm, I'm sure, like, a um, hundred kids running straight at you go, you're, you're arrested, arrested, arrested. So it just had more fun. <laughs> Obviously, like, I think with NIL coming into it, it just made it more like a business where it's about all these deals and everything. And that like all these guys, the higher ups, obviously there's some traditions that need to be like professional and stuff, but just have more fun. The feel like it's at the end of the day, it's about the product of the game and it's like the fans. There's something that's what makes like the college sports special. It's like sometimes in the NFL, it's a little bit too much serious and it's like college football. You have these traditions of like jumping around and like it's makes it more fun for the game. You know, the tradition like high school tradition, senior prank, you know, yeah, yeah. my school did the smartest thing ever and made a school sponsored event where like the student president came up with the idea of the senior prank and they did it with the school, which meant the senior prank still happened but it took the teeth out of it because yeah. it was like a school-sponsored event. And so oh. I think of Oregon football, how they let everyone on the field after five yeah. minutes. That's so the, that's the lamest co- thing ever. There's Please a co- wait five minutes. There's <laughs> a sto- they storm the field every game. You just have to wait. Yeah. So what if they did that where it's like, you can storm the court. Please wait 60 seconds, and then you can storm the court. They can make it sponsored. This this court story yeah. is brought to you by Chevron. It could get interesting when Ohio State comes to Austin this year. That will be fun. I think the whole thing, though, with that is how can you contain – 14, 16, 18, 12, whatever the number is. Amount Arresting of, them. Amount of students. <laughs> Arrest them all. <laughs> with, with X amount of security people, wherever. Yeah. yeah. L- Luke, what's your idea to change college? This sports? is a uh, rough, rough plan here. I put together. Okay, I, I like rough drafts. I li- my idea is a rough draft, there's, too. There's <laughs> certainly going to be some, some, some counterpoints. Like, ah, that wouldn't work because of whatever. But I was thinking, because I'm, I'm a big fan for parody in, in sports and whatnot, and culture ball, and I, I got tired of seeing Alabama, Ohio State every single year winning. And I know Oregon's at the top of that not winning necessarily but Princeton exactly. yep. not not necessarily winning but up, up in that upper echelon <laughs> if there was a way to cap the NIL amount mm. of money allowed allotted per team or whatever so that like I, I don't know how that would work it's like exactly a salary cap. basically yeah. yeah so where Alabama Oregon would fall in this fall in this too um, it's not making the good teams not good anymore more just allowing you take away two good players three good players from every team 
if every good team five whatever and you add them on uh, sprinkle them on uh, amongst the other middle tier teams over they just create higher quality opponents better games better non-conference games that was the other one and this one isn't necessarily an idea but more so just i think something i think that needs to happen is they got to make football and basketball with the commentary alignment like they're almost like it's, its own league yeah, yeah. i i i firmly believe that you got to make them their own league this is super random if I was a billionaire, I think what I would do is I'd pick a random school and try to like <laughs> NCAA fourteen them yes. all the way up. Like <laughs> to your point, if I'm you know a billionaire, I'd pick UMass. But, like I want to pay for Arch Manning to come here and just like yeah. l- back up the brain yeah. truck. Like hey Arch Manning, you want ten million dollars to come to UMass? Like <laughs> that would be hype. And I th- that's actually a point. I didn't think about that, but what a, that whole plan I just mentioned, it would like a, it, there would be like a you almost like the NCAA a league type, almost like a almost like yeah. a pro league, yeah, to a, a, yeah. a collegiate yeah. pro league where. Every team is almost like, based on the amount of money they make, they're given almost money to like. There's a minimum and a max they got to spend, but they got to spend at least, you know, five, ten, one, whatever the, the million, whatever the amount's going to be, and then you got to match that, um, just to increase parity amongst the sport. Yeah. Um, I like that. I think clearly work to be done. Knight, you have thirty seconds, and I'm going to throw you in the spot. You change one thing about college sports. What's it going to be? Okay. Yeah. Thirty seconds. Thirty seconds. Yeah. Okay. Do more of those games like where Virginia Tech played Tennessee at that like NASCAR stadium. But <laughs> while that game is happening, actually have a NASCAR race happening. So there's like two things going on at once. The coach is like. Guys, this is the play, and they're like, "What?" Because it's like, <laughs> "You said go to the left, left <laughs> turn." The three car finish. <laughs> the three car finish. As they're doing like a dive for the pylon, there's a photo yeah. finish about night. I'm here for it. I love it. Let's I do it. Did you guys speed. see the thing about like having the Daytona 500 and the Super Bowl happen at the same time? <laughs> I, I, saw that. I saw that. See, that's what I'm saying. What if like, we did Sports Equinox where you had the Super Bowl, the NCAA championship, and like the NBA playoffs all happen the same day? Yeah, I think. Would, what, that, would that be the same time or just same day? It's same day. I think okay, you have a full day. day of sport. Yeah. A okay. full day of sport. I think something to fix the game. I think we bring back all the video games. Obviously, we have college football, NCAA coming back this year. Bring back basketball, baseball, women's lacrosse maybe. I don't know. We'll just make <laughs> everything a video game again. And uh, I'll speak for uh, KWVA. Uh, we are in the game. If you go to Austin Stadium and just like look and just find, I'm sure. On KW, the roof. Yeah, look on, on the, the roof, roof of Austin yes, Stadium yes. in the game and you will see hashtag, KWVA broadcasters. Hashtag I'm in the game. We, we are in the game. Knight has been in the studio recording hours of footage for softball somehow in NCAA 24. I'm here for it. My name is Levi Burkdale, Jack Walker, Luke Dotson, Knight Yuretsky, holding it down in production. It's been a great day of Quack Smack. Make sure you tune in tomorrow at 6 p.m. for more Quack Smack. In about 30 seconds, we're going to kick you back to your regularly scheduled programming here on KWVA 88.1 FM. Forget about it. If you miss any portion of the show or just want to listen again, you can find the full show recordings online at kwvaradio.org. Plus, we're on Twitter at KWVA Sports. Join us again for our next episode tomorrow at 6 p.m. right here on KWVA Eugene, 88.1 FM.